Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. And today we are very pleased to have Chris Batts with us, a near-death experiencer, and uh, he's going to share his experience with us. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. Very good. Well, why don't you first start off by giving us a little bit of your background and, and some of the stuff that led up to your experience. Okay, well, long story short, um, I grew up in the, this like, foster system because we didn't have my mom, didn't have my dad. I didn't know who they were. Well, my mom would come every now and then, like a couple of times a year, if that, up, like when I was around what, up until I was like eight. And then after that, she kind of just disappeared in general. Like completely, uh, but up until the ages of like four on, I, I remember seeing her. Um, I know she ended up losing me to a court judge because she threw me in a dumpster at six months old. Oh my goodness! Uh, so oh my. automatically, I guess what ended up happening is some lady found me in a dumpster, and um, she said, "Oh my God, I know whose kid this is," and. Um, she called my grandma and then my grandma tried to get a hold of my mom. Nobody knew where she was at. So that's the reason why I wasn't with her. Oh my goodness. But like I say, but the ages of fours is when I remember her start to start like coming around every now and then. And, um, you know, she would come sometimes and, but she was mean. She would always tell me stuff like, I didn't want you. And like, I wish I would have boarded you. You better thank me that you're here. Certain stuff like that. Um, she kind of made me really like self-conscious about myself. And then with the fact that I didn't have exactly like the father there, it was sucked too. So when I was four, I just kind of just start, I called myself growing up when I was four. I was like, you know what? I'm going to raise myself. So that's when I made that decision at four years old. So through on there, like the foster homes I was in sucked. So, um, like they, uh, like. I was always locked in my room like a cage or like like a caged animal and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, just I didn't really have toys and all that crap to play with like the other kids did. I don't know if they had something like some kind of bone to pick with me or something. So instead of playing with toys and all that stuff, I was always thinking because that's all I had was my mind. So I'm always thinking, trying to like come up with ways to like things to learn in life to raise myself, you know. Mm-hmm. So basically... Um, through years and years of doing this, I kind of became, of learning things by myself, you know, uh, I started feeling really depressed and suicidal. And I remember like when I was in the sixth, nope, I was eight years old. I was eight years old when I tried to cut myself the first time. Actually, I didn't try. I did. I did cut myself the first time mm-hmm. when I was eight. And I went in the bathroom with a big butcher knife and just just let my wrist have it, but it didn't work. So that was my first attempt of trying to kill myself then. Um, years later, uh, I didn't try it again till I was just plotting all these, like, all the years that I've been, like, junior high, high school years, I was plotting and planning, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get the job done? Because yeah. next time I do it, it's going to be, like, real. You don't want to fail. So, yeah, so... It was after high school. I didn't really think about it like as much because I was so popular and everything like that. So I was like the social guy, social, popular dude, all that stuff. 
So I really think about suicide then because I felt loved. So what I ended up doing, um, it was after high school. I say about maybe the age of 21, 22. No, I say about 22, 23, I started feeling alone, suicidal again. And so um, basically I ended up just saying, you know what, just make the thing happen. I'm just going to do it. And I did. And um, what I, I was just plotting, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? So one day I ended up um, coming up with the plan to um, jump in front of a train track. Because I knew, I timed it. I timed all the times the trains would come. So I was like, okay, cool. If I go here around this time, I'll be in time for this train. I'm going to lay on the track and let it just hit me. And I'm good. I'm done. My thing was to drown in the water at first. But I was like, nah, I just need something quicker, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm walking to the train tracks one day. And then all of a sudden, a friend comes and says, no, get in the car, get in the car. You can't do this, you can't do this. So I ended up talking to my mom on the phone, and it's been years since I talked to her. Uh, she called me, and this same exact day, ironically, she called me. She's like, yeah, I just want to let you know that um, your grandma gave me your number. I just want to let you know um, I don't want you to have my number. I don't want you to call me. I'm not your mother. Never have been. I don't want you. You have grandkids. Do not tell mom your grandma stuff like that so yeah so it's it pretty bad right so i ended up at that same day i was in the passenger seat of my friend's car as i'm talking to my mom on the phone i looked and then she said i don't want you i was never your mom i said you you never were opened the window tossed the phone out i looked at my friend the passenger side and then i just muttered under my under my breath and then i opened the door and jumped out and my head hit the car um the concrete mm. and that's when i, I died <laughs> and when um i ended up being like in this void where i heard from god then god's like just telling me like um, all the questions I had, he answered them right away. He was just kind of like, because he knows your mind. So kind of right away, he's like, I am God. Yes, I am real. Yes, angels are real. They're a gift for me. Want to meet them? And at this point, I'm like, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no. I didn't even believe in angels and all that stuff. I thought God existed, but not angels. And I grew up. The foster homes I was with, I grew up in a Christian Baptist church. So I was already under the impression that, okay, I killed myself. I'm going straight to hell. I'm going to burn. Right. Because that's what they teach you. But they also teaches you not to ask. That religion teaches you not to ask questions. It teaches you that don't question God. That's their motto. Don't question God. So, um, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. And, um. I always would wonder how can these Christians be so mean and like mm. I don't know it just it didn't make sense I'm like that's not love right like it's weird it just didn't seem right so I was always asking questions and whatever um so I ended up um I just like okay one thing God told me was like um he said and okay I know people are gonna ask like how did he speak to you? He kind of like spoke through like telepathy. It was like through your mind and then you feel it in your heart. You feel the emotion in your heart. And it's like this, these like, like laser shots just coming straight to your heart. Like every time he says something like, boom, 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 like these wow. laser shots. It's like you feel it, the emotion in your heart and then you hear it in your head. So it's not like he's actually speaking words like, I am like the ruler. It wasn't like that. It was just, you know, it, it's a feeling. It's feeling. And um, 
So he's telling me this and he's saying that he loves everybody. And um, I look, and then I was like, well, you, I didn't see God's face or his body, but I was like, tell me what I'm supposed to do when I go back. How am I supposed to explain you when people, when people think I'm crazy for telling them I, that I've had seen your, I've been in your presence. And he's like, go and tell everyone that I love them. I'm like, that's it. He goes, that's it. So, during this time, like, he's showing me, like, these videos of, like, the skateboarder, like, then he showed me, like, this prostitute, and he shows me this, this, like, churchgoer, like, suitwear type guy, and basically, there's a lot of symbolism in that world, so basically, what he's, t what that meant was, I love all of them the same, mm. like, there's, I have no favorites, so, basically, from that, kind of, um, he just, um, he just, he gave me the biggest hug in the world. Cause I said, how do I describe you? And he just gave me the biggest, I felt, I kind of felt his presence. I felt him get on his knee. Like you were like your little five-year-old kid. You get on your knee and then you give him a hug. That's exactly what I felt him do. Wow. So I felt like the tightest hug I've ever got. And I did not want to let go. I didn't want to leave, but sucked. Daddy let go. I'm like, why did you do this? Why did you let go? Like, I want to be there forever. And, um, so then next thing you know, he's like, he's like, I love everybody. Like, I'll go to the end of the world so everyone is with me. Boom. Wow. I can see my guard. Next thing you know, with my guardian angels. Okay. I see one on one side escorting me on my left side and then one escorting me on my right side. Like, they have, like, their arms locked around mine. Escort, like, you escort someone somewhere. I know there was a bunch of other angels around, but for some reason it was those main two I had my focus on the whole time. And I knew for sure those were my guardian angels. Like I felt like they were familiar. Um, so meeting them, I remember looking at the, the one on my right side, he was big, like really buff. He had like blue jeans in this, a red flannel shirt that was in the sleeves are rolled up to his elbows mm -hmm. and he had like curly hair he was about i don't know i say they both were about maybe eight to nine feet tall to be honest um the, the, his wings alone were like like five feet maybe wow just the wings um and i looked at his feet and i was like wow i'm like so if you i even looked and told him i said if you guys were to step down like on earth half the city will be gone huh and they're like yeah because it's so much light <laughs> well we were not allowed to step on the earth so um i look at the other one the other one was stern like type of beetle type of thing it was weird hmm. like because the first one was like a construction worker on my, the one on my right side he's like this buff construction worker and then the one on my left side was just like this creature beetle type thing Interesting. And we just like both of their light was just enormous. And um uh the one on my left side just looked at me and says, Are you sure you wanna go? Like you know, yeah, he was like stern with it, like upset. <laughs> so plain, I look on my right side comment. to that one. <laughs> and the one on my right side was like you have so much to do for so many people. I'm like I do. Then they're like, yeah. And, um, cause when I first got there, I was like, oh my God, like, get me out of here. They're like, no, it's okay. You'll be okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Calm down. 
now I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to like burn in hell, you know, because of what I was taught, you know. Yeah. And they, they told me to look down. They're like, look down, look down. And I look down, I see my body laying there. And then next thing you know, like I see my body like laying on the floor and I, it was like a zoomed in camera. The camera zooms in and I see my body right there. I'm like, how could this be happening? How can I see my body right there when I'm right here? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, wow, so this stuff really does happen, huh? Like this afterlife stuff does happen. They're like, well, we need you to look down one more time. We need you to look again so you know it's real. You need proof. And I'm like, yeah, I am because I'm a hardhead. I need proof. <laughs> and that's the proof that I see. And so then I look back up at them and I seen this like little cloud that was open. If I were to step into this cloud, I wouldn't have came back. And for some reason I knew that. So they just had a decision up to me. Do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I'm like, okay, I'll go back. I'll go back. They're like, it's not your time. You have a lot to for so you'll have to do for so many people. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'll go back. I didn't know what that meant, of course, but mm -hmm. I mean, I like, a lot to do for so many people. Like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> so, like, how, how am I going to help? <laughs> so I told him, I said, you know what? All right, I'll, I'll go back. And next thing you know, that's when I woke up in the hospital, like a couple, a couple of days later. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel when you first woke up? Did you feel like, did you have all the, you know, the memories right no, there? I didn't remember. I didn't remember a thing. Oh, really? I remember, yeah, because I, I was in the ICU, you know, and I remember I just woke up. The first thing I remember seeing was like four nurses. Oh, my God, the miracle's up. He's woke. We thought you were gone. We, we thought you were out of they told me they really were like pronounced me as dead. Like they thought I was gone. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, we're waiting for you to come back. You were in a coma for a couple of days. And we're so glad you came back. We thought you weren't going to come back. And you were probably kind of upset to be back. If you didn't remember what you just went through, you're probably like, Hey, I, I, I was trying to end this. You know what? To be honest, it didn't hit me until the next day I was in the hospital that, oh, wait, a, oh, great, man. You mean to tell me that I it didn't, I didn't make it through. You got ripped off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, like what a rip off, you know, but whatever. So when did the memory <laughs> of your experience come back? You mean like the memory? The, yeah, the memory of, of the angels and talking to God and everything. When I got, when, um, when I got wheelchaired out of the hospital a few days later, that's when I finally remembered. I was like, wow. oh, because the thing was, as soon as I got wheelchaired, I couldn't walk, of course. So, like, I could barely even talk. I was trying to get my tongue to talk, to say words. It was bad. I couldn't taste, mm -hmm. couldn't smell nothing. So, um, I got wheelchaired out of the hospital. And I just remember, that's the first time I've been outside and like a week or so. So I look at the sky, it was so blue and clear. And I was like, and I look at the concrete and I'm like, that concrete, remember, I remember that sound of my back of my head hitting it like, boom. So that's 
when I looked at the concrete, it just brought back like that deja vu. Uh, and I was like, oh, I tried to kill myself. I met my guardian angels. That really did happen. <laughs> that is like, fascinating. I all about it till then. That's so interesting because... Because I've, I've heard of people from anywhere from, you know, sometimes they'll wake up and the memory is fresh and they're saying, hey, send me back or whatever, you know, I want to go back to my <laughs> angels. And then others, it can be, I mean, I've heard of some like 25 years later, um, they'll be looking at the stars or something and suddenly like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And just like the whole memory just, whoo. and I think that's so fascinating because it's like, it's like we've all got this veil, obviously, that's that keeps us from remembering the life before, but when we, mm -hmm. but those who have near-death experiences, it's like the veil comes back, but it's thinner now, and it's and it's fragile, you know, and so mm -hmm. and so when they and and then when that memory comes, it's like whoa, boom, you know. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting. So when you first hit the concrete, and and you're out, um, what was what exactly was the experience like of because because you know you talked like um you were you realized you're in the presence of god were you able to see anything hear anything or was it all feelings or what, what with was god, it like? with god it was feelings but with my guardian angels it was just like i seen i seen them like vividly oh that's so interesting but yeah yeah but what ended up happening was it's because when i hit the concrete I was trying to get up, but for some reason it was, I, I just thought I fell on the floor. That's what I thought. Mm. I was like, huh, how did I fall? I thought I just slipped and fell on the floor. I'm like, hmm. So then I was going to get up and something like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Some kept telling me that. And I'm like, well, I, it was hard to get up. So it was like, I was yanking myself out of my body. So as soon as I like, uh, like kind of pulled out, boom, that's when I was in midair. Oh, interesting. No, I take that back. I took about maybe like one, two, three steps, then boom, was in the midair. My plan was just to walk home, uh -huh. but I guess it didn't work out that way. I didn't know I was out of my body. Oh, interesting. And at that point... I just point... knew I'd seen a body next to me, but I thought I was just hallucinating or something. So I was like, I'm just going to walk home. Took about two, three steps, boom, I'm midair. Oh, interesting. I've I've wondered sometimes about what exactly what because you know some people will be in their body but not connected to it for a time you know and so they're and so they can't get back in it or or else they they you know find themselves just above their body and they don't feel any connection to it, it it's interesting that that uh, that separation time yeah yeah. So you mentioned also that um, that uh, kind of messages are given kind of with symbolism. I'm, I've always been curious about this because it almost seems like some of the things that you that you experience on the other side, it's like they are absolutely real. I mean, they're there in front of you, but they're given as more than just the face value of what you're seeing. You're you're being given this as a as a message for something bigger. Um, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about, um, the way you, you talked about how the, the messages that, that came from God were telepathic, that they came almost like laser blasts into you. Can you talk a little bit about how the, 
the communication feels and, and maybe, you know, how, I, I, I don't know if we have this kind of communication on earth in any way or not, but if you were, I imagine if you felt or heard that communication today, you'd probably recognize it, right? And how, oh, yeah, would, yeah. how does that feel? How, what, you know, how would you detect that? Um, but like I say, I'm so used to it now that it's like, I just know the difference. I know how to tell different entities from different ones. Like if one speaks, I know it's, I know wh- whose personality it is. Like, mm. it's just like, say I'm talking to you now and then you get to know me. If somebody else calls you and says, my name is Chris Batch, you're going to be like, no, you're not. I just <laughs> interviewed him <laughs> I know yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Cause you heard my voice. You've been introduced to me. You know, my personality. So that's what it's like. Um, and what it is is just mainly, mainly, do your thoughts and your your feelings in your heart. So it's both. Like, and the, like I said, like the communication, like with God especially, it's just this love is the love of it is like unbelievable. There's so much love that people would think it's impossible. They would say God is not that good. You met a demon. That's something that they would say. I've heard that before too. You've met a demon. There's no way God loves you that much. Like, relax. Yes, he does. <laughs> I, I find that hilarious when people try to make that argument because you're like, hang on a second. You're telling me that the that the uh, you know nice feelings and ideas that we had on Earth that that is God, but this overwhelming, overpowering, peaceful love beyond all description is Satan. What? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't fit well, if, you, if they, you think yeah, about they, that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, if Satan would do, I understand. Like they say, devil. Maybe the devil will come and try to trick you, or um, try to disguise himself as a, as a being being of light. But yeah. at the same time, it's like being the type of person I am. I don't believe anything anybody tells me. I have trust yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, my angels know that. God knows that. Everybody knows that. So last thing they would do is try to, you know, try to, try to confuse me or something like that. But they know I don't trust anyway. So yeah. Yeah. I, they gave me proof. So the fact that I got that proof, when they told me to look down again, because you need proof, mm-hmm. I knew I was like, oh, wow, these people know my personality. <laughs> oh, that's so um, fascinating. It was so much love. Yeah. Like I said, it was unbelievable. And the thing about God, once you have that ultimate God slash source feeling, you just know. Mm. You don't question it. It's so powerful that you just know. You know, and that makes sense because if we've been there before, which we understand that we have been, then it's it's kind of like, you know, you come home after, I don't know, a two-week vacation and you... And, and your spouse or your child, you're not going to look at them and go like, are you still my child? Or are you the, are you the kid that I've been raising? I'm not sure. I just want to make... No. I mean, you see them and you're like, hey, it's you. You know, there's no question yeah, you're about back. it. Exactly. And, and it makes me think that when we go back to that other side, I suspect that that's what it's going to be like. Hey, be like, hey I know you. Yeah. So, I mean... I, I love that. I love that. Another thing I, I like find... I you just explained that. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I find fascinating is your description of the angels and I, uh, the your guardian angels. Because if there's one of the things that at first took me off guard when I started studying near-death experiences, but have since come to really think it's cool, 
is the diversity of the type of beings that you get on the other side. I mean, we're used to here, it's like either you're a human being or it's an animal or it's not real, you know, and, and it's like that's the yeah. extent of it. Whereas on, on that side, you've got such a, 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 a mix of different kinds of sentient beings. It, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because that's, that's exactly what it is. Like in like the technical real world, you know, you're like, well, you if you did if you didn't meet an animal or an angel, I mean an animal or a human, then you met a demon. It's exactly. Like, yeah, the world is so big. There's more to life yeah. and, and, and we're not the only creatures here. Like there's many other creatures here. Oh yeah. And I, I just find that fascinating. Uh, part of it's the the uh, astronomer in me that would love to find life on other planets and so forth, but at the I same time too, those too. I, I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, it, it's just fascinating to me. I'm like, wow, the the universe, the especially you know on the spiritual side, is so much bigger than yes. than our limited little planet, you know, as we know it here. Yeah, I tell um I tell people that too. Like even in like you know, some people ask like for spiritual advice and stuff like that, and sometimes I'll even tell them like you got to understand the world is so much. Like there's not, it's, I can explain it like this. There's like two worlds. It's like, here's the real world. And then here's the spirit realm. Well, what we call the real world and then, right. what, then the spirit realm. The thing is in the real world, there's so many rules you have to go by. There's so many trends you have to follow. There's so many, there's so many things, but the spirit realm is more like, there's not as many rules. You can just, you can go to anyone you want to wear a green shirt with the, with, with friggin' like, any like orange pants and freaking clown shoes yeah, and then people will still see the same like yeah. versus this world they'll be like you don't even match yeah but versus that world they'll be like oh you're looking festive today like something like that you know like, <laughs> yeah that's different okay i like it we still love you anyway you know <laughs> you know and it kind of makes me think that i wonder if that's one of the reasons that we that we came to this this limited world that we're in. I mean, it's really broken here. It's really broken. And yet yeah, it's, it it's a place where, where if you can't learn compassion here, you can't learn it anywhere because I mean, it's really rough. And, and, you know, if you are this in this perfect realm of just peace and love and everybody is just kind to each other, you know, how are you really going to learn compassion, you know, but you come mm -hmm. to a place like this that's so broken and you're sometimes up against, you know, it's your family versus versus your friends versus your religious background versus your, you know, what you're taught in school. Versus, and, and all of these things are like in constant some kind of conflict and and you have to like weigh these these things. It's, it's painful, but at the same time, too, it mm -hmm. gives us yeah, an yeah, opportunity so to grow. It. You know, yeah. there's something that we can learn in this world, and it's a, uh, it's something that I've heard before. It says, "Sun wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for rain. Uh, That's yeah. what uh, joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain." Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like this world kind of reminds us about that because when we go back home, everything is just perfect, and we don't know what pain is and what a hard something like a hard math test is like or yeah. how to struggle and stuff we don't 
or what is it like to be hungry? Like, we don't know that stuff on this side. So then we, yeah. or what is it like to experience a heartbreak? Why do people cry? What's sadness? What's, what's being mad? We don't know what that's like. I want to experience it. So then we come here to this world and experience plenty of it. But I'm going to be honest, we kind of miss that old feeling of everything being perfect. Yeah, yeah. And and it makes sense that someone who has been through hunger and suffering, seeing someone suffering, you know, if, if you're from a, in a spiritual realm and never experienced that, you may be tempted to say, well, well, even if they die, they'll just come back, you know, to, to, to this joy and love that, that they came from. Yeah, right. And yet oh. on, like, on Earth, even you know, if you get, you're just going to die, you're just going to come back. It's like, it's no big deal, it. you know, kind of thing. Like, so it's no big deal. <laughs> and yet here we see that, you know, it, even if you know you're going to die, even if you know about the other side, pain and suffering really, really hurts. I mean, I mean, you talk about the the difficult time you had uh, coming, you know, growing up and so forth. I can't imagine, you know, I I I, I can imagine you must have been a very, you know, ambitious spirit <laughs> on the other side. Say, I want to go and I want to experience this really rough stuff because I, I, I want to grow. You know. <laughs> Now that I think about it, yeah, it's, you're right. it's like, man, you I'm must like, have been. A... I wonder what possessed me to say, "I want to take this life." <laughs> yeah, and it, it, and then now experiencing, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, okay, oh, this like, what, is what, what suffering." What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yet, and yet, you know, returning too someday. I mean, I it makes me wonder what kind of roles and teaching we're able to do on the other side. You know. Uh, going yeah. back and say saying to those who haven't come yet, wouldn't that be cool to be able to say, okay, you guys, just so you know, this pain yeah. really hurts. <laughs> it's uh, not fun. <laughs> so <yeah>. be prepared. <laughs> beware. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not sweet. It's not sweet. There. So just beware. Yeah. And so anyway, well, Chris, why don't you tell us about your book and 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 some stuff about that my book um me and my editor have been working on this book for the past i say about a year and a half two years uh i'll say about a year and a half um and basically it's a motivational book to motivate people that feel like i did like that feel suicidal or feel down on themselves or the ones that feel unloved and everything since i'm i actually went through with suicide i know exactly how the mind works of someone who is suicidal mm -hmm. so most of it comes from them feeling not loved by anyone feeling alone so basically in this book i'm kind of telling my life story that led up to my near-death experience and how it changed me after and how it changed my life after my near-death experience basically I just kind of want to um, send a message out to the, you know, to motivate people, to stay motivated, stay positive. And the ones that fell down on themselves, just remember that you're loved. And I felt the way you did. And trust me, you can you can get through this and become something like really special. And um, that's kind of like the main idea is to motivate people in this book. Oh, I love that. I love that, especially right now, too, because there is so much, um, so much suicide taking place and attempted suicide, and and yeah, you know, people and nobody and a lot of people yeah. don't speak on it as as much as they should. Right, it's not really a as as big of a topic as it should be. Yeah, yeah, 
it's kind of brushed under the covers a, a lot of times because of of our backgrounds of thinking, oh, you're evil if you, you know, commit suicide and therefore, you know, and yeah. that's just, we just got to face this head on and, and talk about for what it really is. And, and I love that your experience goes beyond just the, uh, you know, I mean, you, your experience shows that not only is, is there a way through this challenging time that you're going through, but you've got a father in heaven, a, you know, God loves you. He absolutely adores you. And, and he's on your side unconditionally. That's a powerful message. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, Chris, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or has further questions for you, uh, what, what's the best way to go about doing that? Um, I have YouTube. I have, I'm a YouTuber. I do videos like spiritual videos about like stuff that my guardian angels to this day. I've had a relationship with them and they still talk to me. So a lot of things they might teach me. I try to spread the word and put out to tell other people oh, so that we that. can all kind of get the, the message, you know, not just me. Like we can all get the message. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so my YouTube is no bad vibes space seven so that's like all one word is no bad vibes like n-o-b-a-d-v-i-b-e-s and then space and then the number seven that's my youtube page very good we'll put a link to uh, it or if you want to find me on facebook you can just find me under chris space n-d-e okay very good very good. Well, I'm going to put a link to both of those on the show notes uh, for the episode. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been a fantastic discussion. Yeah, it really has. Yeah, very good. So to you listeners, uh, if you would like to uh, contact the podcast, either to share a comment or to ask a question, to share your own near-death experience, you can do so by emailing Podcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.